Hello and welcome to the Massage Matters podcast, part of the Physio Matters Network. I'm Becky DeMott Horton, and as you know, I would normally be joined by my colleagues Anna Maria Mazzieri and Matt Scarsbrook. However, I have taken over the microphone tonight and booted them both out, metaphorically. Uh, and instead, I am joined by someone who I'm sure will give me far more grief than either of those two can combined. I'm joined by my little sister, uh, Kelly Williams. Kelly, good evening. How are you? Hello, I'm okay, thank you. Kelly's pulling a very nervous face because I've uh, I've roped her into this. Um, now there is a reason for doing this, and it's not just that I thought you'd all like to be privy to me and my sister having a chat of a of an evening. Um, Kelly experienced a car accident when she was eighteen, um, which unfortunately for both of us was several years ago now, um, and it left her, left her with some some lasting symptoms, and and now is a persistent pain um, sufferer. And I've, as I've gone through my training and learning more about pain, Kelly's always been somebody who's given me a real grounding and, and a really interesting perspective on it. Because as much as we learn uh, and as much as we know that there is always this lived experience, which I think is, is really valuable to us as therapists and we can learn so much from. And I, I learned so much from Kelly every time I speak to her about this and, and I'm very fortunate in the fact that she's very open and, and happy to speak about it so that's great so today's podcast we're not necessarily going to be talking about massage but what we want to talk about is maybe how we can just be a little bit more understanding of people that are are suffering from persistent pain what they might need from us what's helpful what isn't helpful just to hear a little bit of somebody's experience so um Kelly, I, it, it was a super traumatic um, time and accident and, and certainly don't want to drag all that back up for you. But if you're happy to, would you, as much as you're happy to, just give us a brief description of the, the injuries that you were left with at the time? OK, so I was driving my car, which completely crumpled in on my legs. Um, my left kneecap was shattered I think into about seven pieces um, my right kneecap had a complete fracture through the patella and um, my right femur was fractured um, and kind of the bone had overlapped on itself um, so obviously it had to be pulled about quite a lot to be repaired um, and I had a lot of scarring down my right arm. No broken bones, but a lot of scar tissue damage down my right arm. And a lot of scar damage down my right, down the side of my right thigh. It's basically my injury. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, it's fair to say it's, it, 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 like I said, I don't want to go over it massively, but it was a very nasty accident. Unfortunately, the circumstances in which it happened were very unpleasant and, tra and traumatic. It was a traumatic extrication. And, and I think it's worth touching on the fact as well that you were 18 at the time. And, and I'm 
like I say, unfortunately, both of us have uh, <laughs> got a little bit older since then. So that was, what was it, 2005, wasn't it? So sort of 16 years ago. So um, you've lived with this for a long time. But I think I think that's really relevant, your age at the time, is that, you know, it, what a time of life to suddenly sustain those injuries. I think it's hugely relevant because I think at that age, you, you feel invincible and all of a sudden you're not and it was the accident was through no fault of my own um I came around the corner at the wrong time and someone was being stupid and I paid the price for their stupidity um and will continue paying the price and that's been a very difficult thing at 18 years old to grasp how that's fair in the world um and to suddenly realise at 18 you've got to learn how to walk again when your friends are off going to university and, you know, having the time of their lives. Um, it is it is a really substantial age. And I think looking back, you know, I, 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 ha I hadn't even finished growing and my body suffers this massive, massive trauma. Um, mentally, it, it was a huge impact having it at 18 and and as you know I denied it for a long time having an impact on me which also at the age of 18 has its effects and is still having its effects and I think will always have its effects that I denied it for a long time um and so I do think the age is hugely relevant and I think what is really relevant about it being at 18, which I still look back and think is wrong, is that I went straight into an adult ward. Now, 18, and I had only just turned 18. I was only a few months older than 18. I was thrown onto an orthopedic adult ward, which I'm sure many of you know, is full of geriatric women who have falls. and as an 18 year old that's quite a scary place to be and I think at that age in the vulnerable state I was in I almost needed to be treated as a paediatric patient I feel I would have had a lot more understanding my I was in hospital for a month which actually it doesn't sound like a long time but I think in these times a month is a long time to be in hospital they like to kick you out fairly quickly um and i think i would have had a lot more understanding from doctors had i been in a pediatric ward and not thrown in at the deep end on my own only allowed visitors at visiting times in a geriatric basically in a geriatric ward yeah, and clearly, obviously, Kel, it's, it's nowhere near what you went through, but it, from a family, I mean, you know, I was 21. Um, so really, you know, obviously at 21, you know everything, don't you? But really looking back now, I was a kid as well. And and to, I think that was the hardest thing for, for me and mum and dad to deal with was leaving you in that situation every day because we could see how distressing it was for you. And it was, I mean, it was, it, it, it it wasn't a great ward to be on and the staff were lovely and fantastic you know and, and 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 did what they could but they had they had like 15 elderly patients that had 
other conditions you know we were dealing with dementia and things like that and then they had this 18 year old kid who's angry and confused and pissed off and in pain and and missing her family and her friends and 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 they had such difficult things to deal with there I, I think that was that was hugely difficult and we'll you know we'll maybe circle back around to that a bit as we go on because I think I think from my perspective and probably knowing what I know now about pain and how pain behaves I think that had a huge impact on your ongoing yeah. relationship with your injuries and your pain would you say that's oh that's definitely fair? and like I'd I look back now and I spent that whole month in hospital in the bed. I made no attempt to get out of the bed unless the physios came round and were with me. Um, I would literally sit in the bed with all my curtains shut around me and not move. I think the only day I attempted to get out of bed by myself was the day I was meant to be coming home, which I did come home in the end. And they said that if I got out of bed and got dressed and walked up and down three steps, I could go home. That's the only day I got dressed and out of bed by myself. And I think if I hadn't have been on that ward, I think I would have had tried to have had a bit more independence in my recovery. Mm. It's almost like you protected yourself, didn't you? I think you kind of shut down, yeah. like you say, you drew the curtains around you and, and just wanted to block everything out and, and almost not accept like you say not accept what was happening to you Absolutely. which I think is probably a natural reaction at that age so we're several years on now um only what, a few years on how does it yeah only a few because like 2005 was only a couple of years Absolutely. ago everyone needs to remember that yep. <laughs> <laughs> um how does what are you left with now in terms of um how does it affect you physically now um I am in pain every day and it's a very hard concept for people to understand because um, I am in pain every day and it is constant it's always there it's at div different levels um, I will have good days and I will have bad days but even my good days I'm in pain um, there are things I'm very limited in. I try to say I try not to say that there are things I can't do because I've learned over the years that saying I can't do it just means I won't try. Um, but I mean that's that's a very new mindset. Um, I used to very instantly say, I can't do this, I can't do that. Um, you know, I am limited. I will you know by the end of the day I am exhausted I think this the exhaustion is something that people don't understand about pain is that it takes it out of you and if you have a bad day it is exhausting you are just tired all day um and there's nothing you can do there's nothing that takes that away and that's something I really struggle with um because as you know, I'm 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 an active person. I don't like sitting down and doing nothing. And when you're feeling absolutely physically exhausted, that is all you can do. Um, I'm very limited in kind of how far I can walk. How you know, um, walking up and down stairs is quite difficult to a certain degree. Like you know, if I'm in a car park, I would always take the lift because I just know if I 
go up the up or down the stairs. I'll, I I will be in pain at the end, so I will take the easier route. Um, you know, I can't. My knees don't have the mobility they should have, or the flexibility they have. And what, as you know, what I struggle most is my pain is not real. My pain is not there to tell me that something is hurting, that something is wrong, and I need to stop. It's just there. You know, I'll be in the car for half an hour, and all of a sudden it starts hurting because I've sat in the same position for half an hour. There's nothing wrong. I just haven't moved. Um, but it is, it's a really hard concept to explain to people being in pain all the time. Um, the worst, I would say, is probably the nerve pain I suffer with, which isn't all the time. I'm quite lucky with that, I have to say. My nerve pain isn't all the time. It comes and goes. Um, but that is horrible when there's nothing really that takes nerve pain away um and i get that a lot in that's not necessarily my knees that's quite a lot in all the scar tissue i have um and it just it's just little things in life that you know you're limited with and you know you have to plan. So if I want to go out for the day, I have to make sure I take my painkillers. I have to make sure I've got enough for the day. Um, you know, I have to make sure if I'm walking that far, you know, am I going to be able to drive home? You know, if it's just me and the kids, am I going to be able to do that and then drive all the way home as well? Or am I going to get to the point where I'm in so much pain I can't drive? Because that does happen. Um, so there's a lot of having to over plan and then you have to deal with the the mental side of that actually you know the anxiety side of it is am I over planning too much and therefore worrying about everything too much and it's it's having to keep a balance in your life of knowing where you're limited but not saying you can't do things and also you know in the back of my mind there is the knowledge that it will get worse. My injuries are never going to get better. I will, you know, I will get arthritis. I probably have. I just haven't gone for investigations yet because I don't want surgery yet, um, which is my only answer. Um, you know, you know, I've got two young girls. I don't want to be in and out of hospital having numerous surgeries. I want to delay that as much as I can. Um, but I've got arthritis in my knees and that will only get worse. And I think the knowledge of the fact that it will only get worse and there will come a day where there will be a lot of things I cannot do because of this one silly thing that happened is it's, it's always there. It's always that, you know, yes, you feel the pain, but there's always this niggling thing in your brain where you have to think about the pain all the time as well as feel the pain mm. yeah that's yeah that's really interesting and I think like you say it's, it's something that that someone like myself who doesn't 
you know doesn't have any kind of ongoing pain like that you just don't think about you know I, w I wouldn't have to think twice about I might I might think blimey that was a long walk I'm really knackered I wish I didn't have to drive home but I'm I'm physically and, and mentally able to do that you know I might just need to stop and get a coffee and, and whinge about how much my feet hurt but it's not gonna limit it that the thing about the arthritis is that really um it's really interesting, I think, and it's something it brings me on nicely to something I wanted to talk about. So we talk about in therapeutic sort of circles, if you like, um, sort of nocebic effects. So, you know, where there are placebo effects, there's essentially the opposite in nocebo effects. And, and we know that one of the, the big factors in that can be some of the language that's used and, and you know, almost um, people giving you these these expectations that these terrible things are going to happen and making you really fearful and something that really struck me when you were in hospital Carl, and I don't even know if you remember this but I remember I think this I think the consultant might have been speaking to mum or something and he was already discussing at which point at what point in your life you would get arthritis and you'd need a knee replacement and I remember thinking at the time as a 21 year old who knew bugger all I remember thinking hang on a second, she's 18, like, let her get through this, she's, she's, she's alive, can we just, can we focus on that, because that very nearly wasn't the case, and, you know, and why are we, why are we even discussing knee replacements at 40 to an 18-year-old girl in this traumatic, and I think, I, I don't want to speak for you at all, but if it, putting myself in in your shoes, I think from from that day one of waking up from the operation would have been shit. I'm going to be arthritic. I'm going to be in a wheelchair at forty. I'm going to be, you know, all these things that you were told. What kind of impact do you think that had on you? I think that had a huge impact. Um, until recent years, um, when I was young, I remember being told, probably by the same consultant. Um, that, <laughs> I'm sure he was an excellent consultant, but he's I tell you what, some consultants are absolutely brilliant, but they don't know how to talk to people. I mean, I, that's why they have people under anaesthetic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, it's just terrible. I remember being told that. So I remember waking up, and my first thing was, when can I go back to college? And he just looked, and I remember him just looking at me as if to say, I don't know how to break the news to you that you're not. Um, and I, and he was trying to explain, and obviously I, I wasn't, this was when I was in like HDU, I wasn't taking anything in. And he was trying to explain stuff to me. And I remember him saying, in older people, we would give you a knee replacement, but we can't in you because you're only allowed, I think it's three in your lifetime, and you would outlive all of them. So you, you're not allowed them. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, oh my God, my knees are so bad that I'd like, I'm gonna outlive my knees. <laughs> and then you start thinking, and then because you're in such a traumatic state, you kind of go through the whole like, oh my god am I going to get older and need like my legs taken off and like you know my kneecaps being taken out and stuff like that and you kind of your brain does go to worst case scenarios um but I was really lucky probably about seven eight years ago I 
I went in for surgery to remove some metal work, which one consultant decided was causing me problems, which ended up not being the case at all. And I saw this brilliant consultant afterwards. And he basically said, your options are to start the process of surgery. And it's basically like you start clearing out the knees. You have to have that done a few times. Then you go for partial knee replacements and you go for full knee replacements. But, you, you know, you can only have so many in your lifetime and all this. And he literally looked at me and he went, you're young. You, this was before I had kids. You want kids. You want a life. As soon as you start having that first surgery, it is a line of surgeries. And unless you're ready to do that, don't do it. He was like, you can, he literally was like, you can manage this. You can do this. You don't need to start having surgeries now. And he was brilliant. And I think if it hadn't been for me just happening to see him on an outpatient's day, I probably would have started this line of surgeries already. But he was the real kind of, you know, you're too young to start this because as long as you keep active, you will keep it at bay until you are ready and you are ready to make the decision for yourself that you want to start that process. And, you know, I'm now, I'm now 34 and, um, and I'm not anywhere near looking at, you know, that first consultant saying I needed knee replacements at 40, that's six years away. There's no way I'm getting knee replacements in six years. I might have my first surgery of having my knees cleared out because I probably are a mess. Dread to think what's inside there. Um, but there's no way I'm having a knee replacement in six years absolutely not and I think it's being told that you are allowed to make that choice made such a huge impact on me that it was like oh okay I don't have to follow what he said I can do it my way it's my body and he kind of gave me permission to take a bit more ownership And that's that's what I what that's what really strikes me from from hearing you say that and also at the time was it was it, it felt as though that was the first person that said you've got a choice actually there's some things you can do to help yourself here you, you know this is your this is your decision this is your pathway there's things you can do and actually things like being active getting strong keeping moving are going to help you and I think that was probably correct me if I'm wrong but I think that's probably the first time you'd heard that and actually thought oh gosh I've got some I've got permission to to do this and actually I am empowered to do something about what's happened to me because up until then it was just stuff happening to you yeah and I'd only ever had physio straight after straight after the accident and when I left hospital and then obviously after this surgery and it wasn't until kind of around that time that it was kind of made clear to me that I can kind of go and request to see a physio whenever I want you know they my my injuries are there and if I want to go and see a physio I can you know, 
they'll probably just give me some exercises to do that I've done but it's kind of it's that reminding myself what needs to be done and and then again when I was pregnant obviously having joint problems when you're pregnant is not the funnest thing in the world I was a joy when I was pregnant Kelly was the least, least blooming pregnant woman you will ha- ever, ever meet. Uh, like, if, if anybody has post-traumatic stress syndrome, it's her poor husband from what a brute my sister was as a pregnant person. I was a joy. It was a joy. Beautiful, absolute joy, Kelly. You were beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. time in our marriage, uh, the birth of our two children. Um, but the physio I received then was just amazing because you know they I was really lucky that Bude has a brilliant physio department and they look at me they did look at me as a whole it wasn't just you're pregnant this is what the pregnancy is doing to you it was Mm. right what can we do and I mean with my first pregnancy I did kind of end up on bed rest towards the end which was a joy um but you know learning how to support my body during that time has taught me a lot and if it wasn't for the physios Mm. um again for people kind of saying these are your choices and again it was kind of just a chance encounter with these amazing Mm. healthcare workers that just every so often you get one i mean they're all brilliant but every so often you just you just get one that understands you and you just that you click with mm. and i've i've been very lucky to receive that from some people um and you know and especially with my second pregnancy i remember the physio just going you're too scared to do anything with your legs it's not that you're pregnant it's that you go to stand yeah. on your right leg and you're petrified to do it i can see it and that was kind of a light bulb moment of he's like it's got nothing to do with your pregnancy it's all in your mind (laughs) and I was like oh yeah Yeah. um yeah and again that was kind of you know like you say people explaining to me what I can actually do to help and that it it's kind of my my responsibility to do that it would be very easy and i've said this for a long time it would have been very easy for me to go this thing has happened to me it's really horrible i'm going to sit with my legs up forever i'm going to use a wheelchair i'm going to use crutches i'm never going to work again um i'm going to let it rule my life and i i just can't do that because Mm -hmm. this thing the pain could eat you alive and I can I can see how it does I can see how people with chronic pain just slip into not doing anything at all and I think you have to have amazing people and you have to have these chance encounters with these people with these knowledgeable people to actually realize that you can take control of it I mean, I remember, I'm Mm. sure you do as well, for years I was on so many drugs. I was on so many prescription drugs. And I mean, I was in my 20s and I was popping pills like they were sweets. 
and I remember just thinking, and again, it was my pregnancy, because obviously I had to come off of a lot of them. And I remember just thinking, why am I even on all of these? Yes, they might give me a little bit of relief, but they make me feel awful. Whereas actually, mm-hmm. I'm, there's got to be other ways I can manage this. And I mean, yes, I am still on some prescription painkillers, but nowhere near as many as I've been on before. And I think the problem with doctors love to just throw drugs at the problem instead of mm. prescribing other things. I do think, yeah, and I think that's something that's changing now. And we've spoken on this podcast about the new um, uh, nice guidelines for lower back pain, and, and there's a there's a definite move away from opiate based drugs and, and drugs in general, and and starting to look at actual self-efficacy self-management you know movement all these other things but definitely (laughs) 16 years ago when this happened that wasn't the case was it and I I think morphine was definitely um oh well used for yourself (laughs) I think like and I was 18 and the opioids I was put on and like Hmm. (laughs) this you know might sound ridiculous but I kind of watch documentaries and stuff about in America about how people get addicted to opiates and you know how easy it happens and I sit there thinking this could be me if tomorrow Mm. someone took all my drugs away said you can never have them again and I've got no other way of helping my pain they don't give me any kind of support I actually don't know what my reaction would be and I'm very lucky in that I've got a huge support network who would yeah. stop me doing silly things? <laughs> you know, if I turn around to you and gone, just gone and got some crack off the street, do you fancy some back? <laughs> I feel you'd stop me. But we, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure there's a big opioid trading for you. <laughs> there might be. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah. you can. I can totally see. Oh, you can see. You yeah. Because yeah, for, and, and, for 16 and, years I've been on it. You know, mm-hmm. and. Not one person and has ever this... suggested I come off it. But, and that's what's frightening, isn't it? Is that actually, yeah. you know, you, you put in these repeat prescriptions every month and for 16 years it's not been questioned. Absolutely and that's not. that's pretty crazy. And I think that's something that hopefully, hopefully will change. But, um, yeah, I think th- this whole empowering thing is so important, isn't it? And that's what that's what I hear from you. And when I've seen the big shifts in your, um, I guess, relationship with your pain and, and your perception of your pain is when you found these people that have empowered you and and have gone, right, come on, Kelly, you, you need to be doing something about this. And, and this is in your realm to, you know, um, to help yourself. But what I find interesting there is, um, is there a fine line between, or how how would you suggest to a therapist that they find a way of doing that, that you don't come up against a brick wall? Because I can, obviously it's gone very well for you in some situations, but I also know there's been situations where you've been less than polite to healthcare <laughs> professionals who have suggested things. Um, <laughs> Not to suggest Kelly's stubborn in any way, shape, or form, but I can understand how you've lived with this thing for ages, and somebody somebody's telling you something you've not heard before, 
and telling you that actually you can do things to help yourself and that this you know that whole thing around um you know this I, I remember you being told this pain is not a helpful pain it's not a real pain and and that was phrased for you in a way that made sense which is great but I could see how and we see that as therapists going the other way sometimes oh, so what I've had people tell where do you think that balance is to be struck of how do we how do we help you understand that you can be empowered to help yourself without saying oh for goodness sake pull yourself together it's all in your head get on with it oh I've had people tell me years ago that this isn't real pain I've literally like screamed at them not that I'm stubborn and rude at all I'm a fair polite person <laughs> but it's because it is real what are you I'm like what are you yeah. saying of course it's real and it's kind of not until it's been explained what they mean I kind of go oh sorry and I you know and I can't deny that I have I have been been that brick wall that people have been up against and I have been stubborn and when people have, and completely understandably so I think and when people try to I totally get that when people try to change things you, you have this automatic kind of well it's never going to get better so why are you trying to change things it's never going to work it's never going to get better so what are you what are you even bothering for um and I think that you know I look back at some how I've been with some people and I don't know how they haven't just screamed at me and told me to get out to be honest and it, it is hard it is really hard to find that balance and I think it is it's about building up a relationship of trust and I know that's hard because you might not see someone a lot um, but it's kind of I think it's learning about their experiences and it's that's not necessarily just learning about their pain it's learning about their life you know I I want to feel less pain so I can enjoy my children that's one of my main my children are my driving force in life you know not everyone's children are their driving force they have something else and I think it's about finding why people want help and what you know they're not necessarily there to feel less pain there will be a reason to why they want to be better and I think it's building up that trust and finding that underlying reason. And they might not be open with it. You know, it's taken me years to be open about it. You know, people used to ask me about my accident and I'd give them a lovely quick synopsis of what happened and go, but I'm fine, fine. Hurts every day, but I'm fine. And that would be it. The door to that would be shut. Um, whereas now, as you know I'm a lot more open about it and I think mm -hmm. it is it's learning to kind of I've had to learn that actually there is nothing wrong with me I'm not some weirdo you know well <laughs> I am but it's not because of me accident well, yeah, but it's nothing to do it's with the accident <laughs> that's just you know it's because I grew up with you that's um, just the that's just the demolition exactly <laughs> um, and I think it is building up this trust and not just going I think it's really easy for therapists and I've had it and I I, 
I don't like to criticize at all because I think you know therapists for people with chronic pain is hard work but some people get a bit gung-ho and a bit this is what it is we're going to do this and you're going to smash it and it's going to be so much better and you know the person you're talking to just kind of goes no it won't it won't get better mm-hmm. you know and for me what has been really important is learning the little steps and that everything takes if you want to achieve something it will always always take time and I'll never forget one of my physios years ago said to me when I um, I used to be a really really keen swimmer um, and my and I you know as you know I kind of I refused to go back to swimming because I was like I'll never be like I was before it's going to be horrible I used to be able to get in the swimming pool and you know bash out a hundred lengths and it'd be amazing whereas I'm not gonna be able to do that anymore and I you know you helped me I had to learn how to swim again and in a different way I had to completely retrain myself um and my physio said whenever you go if you're going to increase it never increase it more than 10 percent and I suddenly realized that actually 10 percent isn't that much so if I do 20 lengths one week next week I go that's only 22 lengths and it is it's learning these tiny tiny little steps and I think stuff like that is what builds up the trust instead of going in going yeah we're going to get you to swim 50 lengths and you're going to be amazing you know it's more like what can you do what is realistic at the moment what is your goal right Mm -hmm. we're in between that what are the little steps we can do and I think that's when you get people to open up a bit more. And I guess that's a lot of honest, and I've had similar conversations with some of my clients, Cal, and it, it's, it's not an easy conversation to have. But I think what I'm hearing from you a lot is that you've respected those therapists or those healthcare professionals that have been honest with you and gone, look, you're not going to go down the pool and swim like you swam the day before your accident. And and Kelly does herself a disservice when she talks about how good a swimmer she was because she was an extraordinarily good swimmer. And in fact, she was on her way home from um, a shift on um, Beauty Pool where she was a lifeguard from when you had your accident, weren't you, Kelly? Yep. So it was it was a huge part. It was it. It was a massive part of your life at eighteen. Um, but but having the I guess the gumption to have those difficult conversations as their therapist to say okay look we're not going to get you back in the pool swimming like you were the day before your accident but we can get you back in and we can get you doing 20 lengths yeah and and maybe we need to get you swimming with the pool boy maybe we need to adapt that for you so it's acceptable and then I'm going to be really honest with you, we're going to be looking at a 10% increase week on week, as long as your body responds well to that, you know, and all of a sudden, I guess, I guess it's daunting for you as a, um, as a patient or as a client, but equally, at least you've got a plan. Yeah, at least you somebody's quantified to you what that might look yeah. like. And I remember, this is years ago. Um, I missed running, I really missed running. Um, and um i spoke to a physio about it who was he was brilliant and he was really honest and he said running is not good for you (laughs) 
running is not good for knees at the best of times running is not good for you but we can try something and I got to a point where I could run run walk sort of thing and I could run for about two minutes but I'd do that and then I'd come home and I'd have to sit with my feet up for about 20 minutes and then I went back when we kind of got up to that I mean that was a lot of you know running for 10 seconds walking running for 20 you know lots of little steps and um, I went back to him and I said I just what's the point and he went well yeah he said, I, I know you miss it, but actually, what, what is it adding to your life? Because you're doing it for two minutes as well as walking, but then you're coming home for 20 minutes in pain. We can keep working on it, but that pain afterwards, because of the pressure you're putting through your joints, probably won't go that much. And he was really honest, and it is about being honest. It's not about, oh, well, you know, if you keep trying, it might go. He was like, no. And it, it's, <laughs> and I kind of went, yeah, fair enough. And you know, if my kid runs off down the road, I can run after it, not very gracefully, but I'll catch it <laughs> at some point, you know, massive butterfly net. But, you know, I, I, what is the point of telling someone to do something that is not going to add to the quality of their life? Yeah. I think yeah, is that's... what I've taken away from a lot of the therapy I've had. Mm. And what I really like about that story is he let you explore it because, yeah. you know, as we know now, pain is so individual and, and you know, in another individual, they might have gone out and gone. Do you know what? This is this is getting better. Actually, this is getting more acceptable. You Absolutely. know, because that's how pain works. It's 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 individual. So somebody else with exactly the same injuries might have gone, or it might have been somebody to whom that 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 was so important. You know, you say about your kids being your driver in life, but you know that that might have been their one. And actually, yeah, that five minutes of being able to run along the seafront. I, I'm willing to put up with that. And it's like you say, it, that takes a good relationship to go, okay, fine, we're going to stick with this because it's important enough to you and, and, and you know, we're going to explore it. But I love the fact that he he helped you to explore that and absolutely. then helped you to make a decision about yeah. it. And it, again, it was your decision, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it was my decision to stop. I mean, he said yeah. that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to ache after running no matter how mm. you know no matter kind of where we get to there will always be some level of kind of pain and I went I just I miss it but I can live with missing it and it mm. was you know he made it very clear that it was my decision if we wanted to keep trying he would but it was my decision to go you know what I'm I'm going to put a pin in that one I've tried it yeah didn't work for me yeah I'll you know I'll carry on with you know trying to go for longer walks or you know walking faster or you know finding enjoyment from something else you know building up my muscles mm. through something mm. else you know and I've, I've learned to accept that I will never be a runner you know <laughs> um and that brings us on really nicely to a, a relationship I wanted to touch on 
um, a recent relationship I wanted to touch on with, um, I, I don't know how long ago you started working with her, but um, you've, you've started working with a personal trainer um, called Kimmy, who I just think like she amazes me because it's one of those things, isn't it, that, you know, mechanics can't fix their own cars and builders can't build their own houses. I haven't been able to fix my own sister, which upsets me hugely. <laughs> but it, it, it's lovely. I've loved watched in this relationship that you've had with Kimmy evolve, because I think from an outsider's point of view, she's given you that real belief in yourself. And, and rather than constantly tell you what you can't do, she's helped you explore what you can do. Yep. So what, do you want to just talk us through, like, why did you start working with her in the first place? Um, well, we were friends first. We worked together and we got on really well. And then she went off to do her PT course. Um, and I was like, oh, I really miss doing exercise and stuff like that. And, you know, as you know, I'm always having a little bit of a battle with my weight and um when she qualified she went oh do you want to be my first client and i was like yeah we'll give it a go why not and um she didn't really know much about you know my accident or anything it's you know i don't introduce myself and go hi i'm kelly i've got two <laughs> i've got two you. broken knees um i let people find that out for themselves it's quite the fun <laughs> journey um and she had to we had to fill out all the forms and stuff for her and I went do you know how do you know how broken I am and she kind of went what you could see the fear coming over her eyes and I you know I explained everything that happened and I said there's a whole list of things I can't do and she literally laughed at me and I was like what she went that's nonsense of course you can do it you just can't do it right now and she just Perfect. I mean I love her as a friend. She's a brilliant friend, and I'm really lucky that she's my friend and that we have a right laugh together. Um, but she she just has this mental attitude in life that there is nothing you can't do. You just can't do it now. Um, and I remember my biggest thing was that I was like, well, I can't squat. Can't squat. My knees don't bend that far. Can't squat just can't do it don't even bother trying because I've never been able to do it and never will be able to do it it was a real like can't do it and she went I'll get you squatting and it was like her mission and we start and again it was like she just she just got it and she got the kind of like, I went to her the other day and I was like oh my knee's playing up with a little bit she didn't ease up on me one little bit I went, go easy on me, my knee hurts. And she was like, oh, what? she went, what is it? And I was like, oh, it's just my normal knee. And she was like, okay. God, it was like one of the hardest sessions I think I've ever done. She had me doing deadlifts. I was like, mate, <laughs> I said my knee was hurting. Um, and she, and first of all, we started squatting to like the arm of a sofa. So like my bum would hit something. And I was like, oh, well, that's all right. And then she was like, we'll go to the chair of the sofa. Just sit down and stand up without using your arms. And then she kind of said to me, every time you get up from the sofa, don't use your arms. And she kind of has this attitude of like, you want to do it? I don't know yes. what it is, but she's like, I want to try it. And I started, I can't, you know, I can't remember when it was, was it just after I had Erica maybe? So like two years ago? 
I started with her and um yeah i think it was just after yeah after and then America, we it? had my very first proper like so we did it at home because obviously i had a baby and then we had my first ever gym session literally two days before the world shut down and gyms were closed and then she carried on video calling me all through covid um she kind of said to me i'm not letting you you've come so far do not give this up she was literally like she'd like shout down zoom at me it was quite scary um, and then and now she's she's literally got me to the point where i see something like like i saw sounds ridiculous i saw simone biles doing renegade rose the other day and i was like that looks awesome i want to do that and she was like boom let's do it and she's got me doing planks every night and she's got me trying to like lift my arms up while so it's hilarious watching me try and do it like i'm a long way away from doing i would never look like simone biles and i'm a very long way away <laughs> taking any of this will count I'm a very long <laughs> way away from actually doing a renegade row but and like i go into a gym and like every week she's got some new toy that she's like i found this it's really cool and i'm like i can't do that and she's like yes she can and we just we just have fun with it and i'm now to the point where i kind of i don't even like doing the cardio stuff anymore so i used to be like i want to do all the cardio stuff because i want to lose weight that's what i want to do i want to lose weight and i want to look good now i'm like i want to do all the weight and i want to be strong i don't care what my weight is i don't even weigh myself anymore which as you know for me is yeah. massive. massive like i i want to be strong and like, I want to pick my kids up and I want mm. to be able to jump on a trampoline with my kids and, you know, run around in the park with them. And by doing the stuff I do with Kimmy, I, I can do all this, like this summer holidays, I've done stuff I never, ever thought I would do with my kids. I mean, you were doing parkour like <laughs> the other day, so. I, went I, I, think, I think that's me. it. I think that's. That's like that's like life completely. I now. pulled myself up on a gymnastics bar and did a flip. I jumped off a trampette <laughs> and did the most graceful flip you've ever seen in your life. It's amazing. <laughs> but I've done that, you know, I've gone oh. with paddleboarding. I've little things like I've driven all the way to Paynton and taken them around the zoo and driven them home again on my own. You know, mm. that's a mm. little thing to most people, but to me that day was massive. You know, I've, yeah. n I've never had the confidence to do stuff like that. And it's, it is through this relationship I have with Kimmy and with you and kind of surrounding myself with people who understand, you know, what I have and actually that it's, it's okay and that I can make myself better. I can be stronger and I'm never going to be a size 10 again you know, because my body... None of us are, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, my body has limits and <laughs> I get that, you know, and I enjoy food, I'm not going to lie, you know, but, but I want to be strong and I want to be able to, you know, be able to do stuff with my body, you know, like I can my yeah. two and a half year old as you are well aware is a beast she's the biggest two and a half year old mental. there is Absolutely in the world mental. you know 
I can pick her up on my shoulders and carry her around for longer than like a minute you know and it's not you know it's a bit like oh she's heavy when I take her off but it's not a big deal and to me that's massive and you know there was I sent you obviously sent you the pictures there was one week where I did I did weighted squats holding the weights on my back and I never ever thought if I would ever do anything like that if you had told me 15 16 years ago that you know when you're 34 you've had two kids you know you've had a hard paper round you're going to be in your mate's (laughs) gym doing deadlifts weighted squats you know you're going to be messing around with battle ropes and kettlebells and all that you know attempting to do pull-ups which I still can't do but I'm determined you know I would never have believed you I would have gone of course I can't do that and it's kind of again it's that oh my god I can moment and it is as like I was saying before it's having those people around who kind of give you permission to trust your own body and it's been it's it's taken a long time and it's it's yeah yeah it's and you know I've had to kind of not cut people out my life but kind of drift away from people who don't understand what I go through and who kind of go or just man up you know what you on about Mm. just Mm. man up and get on with it because it's not that easy and you know you have to learn who to surround yourself with and if you're not surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself and who are constantly there to support you and who you would support then Mm. you're never going to achieve what you want to and you know finding Kimmy was just like a light bulb moment and you know I am very lucky that she is also my friend um having the right physios you know you very kindly (laughs) doing all your massage and soft cell therapy you know it's it's kind of and sending you sending you blunt text messages telling you to get on with it yeah pretty much but it is but kindly I hope kindly I hope you know it's you you learn a lot about yourself that's really that's really interesting to hear and it's something we've spoken about before on the podcast is it's kind of um uh we spoke about it when we did our our podcast on frozen shoulder and we said that sometimes it's just as a therapist you need to be part of someone's team and and actually people in pain just just need someone on their side and need someone who can like you say sometimes they're, they're telling you stuff you already know or they're reminding you about stuff you already know but you're like okay yeah someone's got my back someone gets this someone's helping me through this yeah I think that again that's coming across as though that's really important to you absolutely and I do kind of feel you know <laughs> I do kind of feel like I've got a bit of a team around me it's not you know it's not a professional team but you know I but it's the people you you need I've, and you've chosen, chosen to help you through absolutely. this absolutely and you know bless his soul my husband has been through everything with me <laughs> jeez that poor man um and he has seen me at my worst I mean right down bottom at my worst and but he he never lets me he never lets me stop he's so mean <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but he's literally like you need you need to keep going and you need to be stronger and and he knows that I I, I am an active person I always have mm. been and, and that part of me will never be gone it is just had to change with mm. my body and I think for a really long time instead of accepting the change I was just angry that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of, especially for people who, like me, are suddenly thrown into the world of pain, there's a lot of anger that goes with it and a lot of frustration. And it's an anger that no one can understand. Um, and, and it stays with you. I mean, I still have moments where I'm really pissed off with the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. Well, I think that's probably and, quite understandable. And it's it's accepting that, and accepting that actually you've just you you have just got to change with it. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be the the energetic person I was I was before, but I can channel it into different to ways. To be fair, Kel, none none of us are the energetic person <laughs> we were when we were eighteen. No, you're <laughs> more energetic. All I get from Isabel is Auntie Becky can do it. Oh, go live with Auntie Becky well, then. I love... the, the change that I've seen in, in the last, certainly since you've had the girls, actually, and so your eldest is seven, rising eight, um, well, rising about 28, actually, oh. but that, that's another story. <laughs> um I think definitely since you've had the girls and maybe you've had people like Kimmy in your life and, and, and these other physios that you've discussed is this, the shift that I've seen is from this person who sees something and goes, well, I can't do that. And is just pissed off that you can't do it um, to someone that goes, blimey, that looks like good fun. Let's give it a crack. And if it doesn't work, what the hell we've had a laugh doing it. And I, I, that to me is such a joyful shift. Like, I can just imagine you, you you telling me that story then about you seeing Simone Biles doing whatever <laughs> she was doing. I can just imagine that 10 years ago and it, and it would have been anger at her for being able to do it, anger at what happened to you that means you can't, anger at sort the fact that I couldn't do it because I'm just not strong or fit enough or agile enough but you know anger at everything yeah. and just uh that's not fair yeah. i can't do that. i probably would have ended to, up in uh, tears yeah absolutely it's that kind of thing that would have you know like we all went you mentioned the other day we all went as a family we went did some paddleboarding and some canoeing and, and messed around on the water for a bit and it, it almost would have been 10 10 years ago it would have been like oh should we ask kelly or is she gonna just be pissed off that she can't do it to uh I want to have a go. I want to have fun. And I'm comfortable enough with the people that are surrounding me that they're going to give me the help that I need. And actually, if it all goes belly up and we just need to go and sit in the cafe, we can have a laugh about it and do that. But this, this, that's the change that I think has been so wonderful. And I, I, I just am so grateful to the people in your life that have helped you achieve that because you're such, there's so much joy in your wanting to do stuff now. Yeah, I think I have shifted to that and it has only been like the last couple years and it has been a long time coming and I still struggle, you know. I still, you know, my mental health will always be a struggle for me and I think a lot of it comes from the accident. Um, 
you know I will always that will always be a work in progress um, but I'm more willing to work on it now which is just that in itself is an amazing step and I think like you say with the girls a lot of it is I want I want them to believe that they can do anything and if I want them to believe they can do anything then I need to show them that I can do anything because or at least try because if I'm not willing to put myself out there and try how am I supposed to teach these girls that that they have a place in this world and that they can do anything and you know I think there's a lot of emphasis on women coming through in sport and in all areas and you know really empowering themselves I think you know massively we saw that in the Olympics and um, to me I mean my eldest is very sporty which is why we're quite a sport-led family um, for me I want them to be able to empower themselves and the only way is by me showing them how and if I'm sat there on the sofa going no I can't do it because mummy's knees hurt that's not that's not showing them how to do it and me I have the odd days and my eldest does understand that I have funny old knees that every so often need resting um but you know and she does laugh and go mummy can't do that auntie Becky can do that <laughs> But she also kind of goes, Mum, are you going to do this with me? And I'm like, yeah, mate, of course I am. Because, you know, she, she has to have that role model in her life. And if I can't be it, then it falls to you. But <laughs> Oh, God. And, and then she's got no, no hope. hope. <laughs> but I just think, you know, I just think that's so important that, that they and, don't and, believe. and they also see that and that and they also see that adversity happens in life bad things yeah, happen and it is rubbish and it's horrible and it has taken me 16 years to get on with my life <sighs> but actually kids do need to learn that bad things happen but you can overcome it and you can build yourself back up and you know, me and Kimmy have this really, we have, we always say to each other, strong, not skinny. And that is what I want to empower my children with. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you do with your life. I don't care whether it's mental, physical, whatever, but be strong and confident in what you do. Because nothing else matters. And the only way they're going to learn that is through me and through the people I surround myself with because they are their role models and I just think you know and I know this is coming away from pain a bit but I think we are kind of at that turning point with girls that they need to learn that they can and no matter what happens I to think, them they can and to me I that's think, massive yeah, I mean, and I just think my pain doesn't need to be the thing that makes me say I can't it needs it needs to be that thing that I I overcome and I I can do yeah I think 
your kids will do anything because they're just <laughs> they're mental. So, you know, <laughs> there, there is there is there is no fear that your children will not do what they want to do. Uh, they my are little feral bees. They are amazing. <laughs> um, that's That's so powerful, Kelly. It really is. So I'm just gonna bring it to a close now, and this might be too bigger question to ask you but we'll see how it goes so we normally on our podcast do a little thing called theory to practice so after we've talked about something for a while we try and give kind of one thing that um a therapist that listens to this can can go back into their next client and kind of put into practice so and this is a this is possibly the hardest question i've asked Uh someone so (laughs) tough luck um if you you know you're talking to a lot of therapists here if you could give them one piece of advice for next time somebody who's suffering with persistent pain walks into their clinic, what would it be? Oh my God, that is really hard. Um, I think the people that I've always trusted the most see me as a whole person. They don't just see me as the pain. So yes, I have two knees that hurt. I have, you know, thighs and hips and arms that hurt, but I am person, you know, I, I have, you know, my worries, which is very connected to my pain, you know, I'm a lot more hesitant on one foot than the other, and I would never have learned that without seeing a particular physio, um, which has then led me to make sure in my exercises I lead with the leg I'm less confident on to build up that confidence and it's you need to look at people as a whole like I said earlier people are going to come to you not just because they're in pain because there will be a reason they want to overcome that pain if they have made the choice to come to you that has been a really brave choice Um, and instead of just looking at the pain you need to look at the whole person and actually you know they might be anxious about something that makes their pain worse. They might, you know, they might not enjoy something and that makes their pain worse. They might be wanting to do something so much that they think they can't and then in their mind their pain is worse. And it's learning about that person that I think then builds up that trust and then you don't get that brick wall we were talking about earlier and then you can start working with the pain the pain is almost what i have found personally i obviously don't speak for everyone with persistent pain what i have learned is my pain is secondary to everything else that goes on in my brain you know like i've said to you before beck and i like when i sit in a car knowing that i've got a four-hour journey it's like oh my legs hurt why do my legs already hurt you know and that's all in my brain because i know they probably will hurt when i get to the end and that's 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 been your experience yeah that's just like i said to you it's just stupid (laughs) but i think it's learning like you say learning people's learned experiences to then start breaking down their pain and what they want to achieve and it might just be, you know, I want to be more active. I want to be able to go, you know, go for a mile, walk around the block or whatever. But knowing what their goals are 
And whether you think they're achievable or not, just start with little steps because actually 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought half the things I'm doing are achievable. And actually some of the experts I saw probably wouldn't have said they were achievable. But here I am and I'm doing them and they are achievable. Don't ever tell someone they can't do something or it's not achievable because everything is. You've just got to know the starting point, I think is probably what I would say. That's amazing. I think that's, um, yeah, that's really powerful, Cal. Really, really powerful. And I think that will, it, it's so it's so brilliant for us as, as therapists to hear. Yeah, I think the more lived experiences we listen to, the, 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 the better therapists we become all the time, because it, it is, it's, it's an experience that it's, it's, it's difficult to understand. And it's, it's, it's hard to kind of understand how it, it is life every day. and I don't think I think another really important thing is is don't you know, don't beat yourself up over not understanding it don't feel bad over the fact you don't understand it I, I would never understand like it is the most complicated thing to understand like even when I say it I'm in pain all the time you're like what no you're not yeah okay like don't yeah. don't ever feel bad that you can't and that you can't understand someone's pain because it is so complex that I think just understanding and empathizing and being sympathetic and supportive is more important than ever trying to understand it because I live it and I don't understand it stupid it's, it's, it, I think we can leave it there. Just, just pain stupid. Pain is That's stupid. It. We're just, we're stupid. <laughs> we'll sum it up with that. <laughs> Kel, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. You've been really, really honest and really candid. And, and I, I know that's not always easy. So thank you so much for. Um, and your kids have stayed in bed the whole way through. I this, know, which is right? An absolute miracle. Absolute miracle. I can only imagine that you've like bound them to the beds or something. Oh yeah, there's like dead locks um, and all sorts going on up there. <laughs> soundproofing. Kel, thank you so much. I know that people will have will have really enjoyed listening to that I and have found so. it massively I hope I haven't helpful. rambled so, on. Thank you. No, not at all. Um, so that's that's it for me today. I'm sure I will uh, will be joined by the rest of the crew next time. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Massage Matters podcast, and we will catch you again soon. Mm -hmm.